to, of course, your all-time favorite podcast in the world, Persuasion School, and it's Wednesday, so that means it's Whiskey Wednesday. Also, my name is Jake Savage. If this is your first time here, welcome. Very grateful to have you joining us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. At least I hope it's going to be fun. It was fun for me when I, and see, I'm already getting ahead of myself. I sat down to do this interview yesterday, but it's today. You know, this is happening today. So everything that's going to happen is going to be awesome. Hey, if this is your first time here, Whiskey Wednesday is an informal segment that we added to the show because we had listeners that wanted to learn a little bit more about me, my life, what I'm up to, etc. So lately, it's been a place where either I'll connect with my wife, Alexa, or my brother, Andrew, and we'll chat about things I love because this show is about me, right? That's what's important here. Uh, which uh, has been a lot of endurance training lately for for Ironman stuff. We've had a lot of fun talking about that. We'll usually drink some whiskey. We'll have a good time. And we just chat openly about life. So that's what the purpose of this segment is. If you're not into that and you came to Persuasion School hoping to learn something, then you might want to maybe find one of the other episodes that does not start with Whiskey Wednesday. But the whole premise of Persuasion School is I'm a former door-to-door salesman. I knocked on about 100,000 doors over the course of several years. Then I helped launch a sales company in the food and beverage industry. My job there was to build and train a team of salespeople. I was the president for the last three years, and we hit the inks list of the 500 fastest growing companies in the nation twice, which was pretty awesome. So I've got about 15 years of sales experience, and typically on Persuasion School, I'll bring something to the table from that experience on how you can be a more effective communicator, be more persuasive, get more of the things that you want in life, whether it's deals, dates, donations, get raises, get promotions, just uh, feel more confident in your everyday conversations, you know, just be a more effective communicator all around. That's the whole idea of the show. So either I'm talking about something from my own experience or we'll bring in some, some fun nuggets from the world of psychology and neuroscience. Those are always fun to learn about. Uh, and I, I like to spend a lot of time learning about that stuff. So I share with you guys what I'm learning along the way too. So anyways, that's the show in a nutshell. And on Whiskey Wednesdays, it's, uh, it's something totally different. So what I've done today is I had the chance. We've never done this on Whiskey Wednesday. It's always me and Alexa talking or it's always my brother and I talking. But I thought we would do something different. I, I discovered recently, well, almost a year ago, that a friend of mine and a colleague of mine that I've known for like six or seven years now that I've been in the food and beverage industry, I uh, I had no idea that he was the number one whiskey influencer in the world. So here I am, we you know drinking whiskey every Wednesday on this segment of the show. We'll either try something new or we'll pop open one of my favorites. And little did I know, a guy that I'm tight with is, again, number one whiskey influencer in the world. So Gavin Lindy. Gavin, uh, he's like a consultant in the food and beverage space. He works with some fun brands that maybe you've seen on the shelves of your local grocery stores around the nation. Uh, one that I know is really hot, Gavin, forgive me if I'm leaving out some of the others, but one that I know because I see it everywhere, it's blowing up. It's Genius genius Juice. It's the coconut smoothie. So they're, they're on fire. But anyways, Gavin works with them, some other guys too. And then when he's not doing that, he is a whiskey collector. He's a whiskey advocate. He's a whiskey lover and he's a whiskey influencer. So yeah, I had no idea this whole time. Guy has over a hundred thousand Instagram followers and he travels the US and the world. I don't know, trading whiskeys and trying new whiskeys. So we sit down, we try a, a drink that I think is it's on the top of my list. Maybe it's my favorite. I I opened it yesterday. I'm gonna drink it a little bit more, get to know it a little bit better. I'm talking about this like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but it, it might be my favorite. It's called Michter's. So we tried the Michter's bourbon, which was awesome. And he's so knowledgeable. Like I'm just kind of a like a fanboy for whiskey, right? I'm learning a little bit more about it slowly and slowly. But this guy is a tried and true whiskey expert. So it was fun just to learn, learn about some of the processes, some of the secrets in the industry that I would have never even thought existed and we just had a good time. So if you're interested in hearing from the world's leading whiskey influencer and a a whiskey expert, then you'll probably enjoy my conversation with Gavin. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and drop it right now. All right, everybody sitting down here with a friend I've known for now, maybe five, 
plus years, I would say. But, wow, yeah, like probably six or seven now. Yeah, yeah, maybe six or seven. Gavin Lindy, uh, because this is Whiskey Wednesday, and this is the whiskey guy. So made only made sense to have him on for us to try some whiskey together and chat about all things whiskey. So, Gavin, welcome, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you, as always. Yeah, of course. All right, so, dude, to kick us off, you for, for anybody that's listening that wants to check you out um, and what you're doing, you, you run Rolex Whiskey. Yeah, there it is. Rolex Whiskey on Instagram at Rolex Whiskey. Over a hundred thousand followers, and you're just you're just posting about whiskey every day, huh? One hundred and sixty-one thousand followers, <laughs> as <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it, it, you know it's a it's crazy because I tell people, you know, I'm forty-eight years old, married, three kids, work for three multi-million-dollar grocery brands. And yet I still find the time to do my posts every day. It's almost like it, it's almost like a mini vacation from the reality of my craziness when I get mm. to like lock down for like three or four minutes and, and knock out a post. And my posts are totally off the cuff. There's no planning. There's no nothing. It's like a perfect example. Like this week I'm going to Kentucky. Yeah. So I'm not drinking this week because I'm going to be drinking plenty once I get there. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to create content as a whiskey Instagrammer if you're not actually drinking. So I literally, there's a hashtag out there that no one used. It had like under a hundred on it. It was called holding greatness. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hold bottles in my collection. And I'll be like, this is holding greatness. Like, boom, here it is. And it'll create content the whole week. I mean, I can go through my, my collection and grab bottles as I need, you know, it's like, it's really easy for me to do. And to feed Instagram, I need to do it. Otherwise, I lose relevance. Like Instagram yeah. requires three posts a day. It requires multiple stories if you want to be relevant. And most people just aren't up for the task of doing it. They're like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've got a pretty gnarly work ethic. So like for me, it just fits in. And if it's too much, you probably, you know, shouldn't try to play in this world Yeah, uh, that I play in. Probably not, but you've been doing it expertly, which is cool. And you're building this whole man. And I knew you for years before I even knew you had this underground brand as like a whiskey, whiskey connoisseur, whiskey it's, ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> which is well, cool. I call, I, it's my passion project. You know, yeah. before I had kids, um, you could find me at like four o'clock in the afternoon at Torrey Pines, picking up a twilight round of golf. And it really was, I didn't play golf for years and until COVID where a buddy of mine were like, dude, let's just start getting out there on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. Yeah. So we can be home for the wife and kids by eight. But like whiskey became my golf. Hmm. You know, like I, my wife said, listen, this is your world. I, I understand it makes you happy. And I was like, dude, I, I can't do things I used to do. And you can relate as a parent. You used to be able to just do whatever you want. You can't do that anymore. Right. Well, this gave me an outlet. Also, I started collecting. Um, and it was an alternative investment strategy that I just had a hunch would work really well. I just had a hunch and I started buying whiskey and I was saying to you earlier, I started buying stuff that nobody would buy because of the price, but it was still a deal. And, And of course that's gambling, but I just had a feeling it would pay off. And when I first started, you know, I could buy whatever I want. Now there's a million dudes like me. It's a full time gig. I mean, there's guys that buy and buy and buy and buy and then flip them, you know, make lots of money. I'm not flipping. I'm sitting. I got 10 years left in my little plan, you know? Yeah. So that's part of the thing, right? Is whiskey has been on the rise in terms of popularity as a beverage growing, growing, particularly over probably the last decade. And so you're, you're not just a connoisseur. You're doing this as a financial investment and you've got a whole like garage full of whiskey bottles, right? This is your kid's kids college funds I mean, essentially I'm, yeah I'm probably north of 600 bottles oh my god and that's that not, include, i wouldn't even guess close to that if you had asked and that me. doesn't really include the stuff that's open i mean that's closed stuff you know <laughs> like i have you know i have a nice insurance rider on my house for all of it of course god yeah. forbid something happened yeah. um there's three areas in the house that are allocated to me one is you know in my living room you have the whiskey wall Okay. That's maybe got a hundred bottles. Open then there's closed, closed plus okay. about 80 open underneath it. 
Okay. Then you have the whiskey closet, which is like the old uh, linen closet between the kids' bedrooms. Okay. That I pull out all the shelving and put like professional bar shelving in. Nice. Um, over there, there's probably three, three hundred, three fifty bottles there, <laughs> and then underneath the stairs, because it's still under the climate control of the house, yeah. it's cool. There's like plastic bins full of stuff that like I have no desire to touch for years. Not really expensive stuff, but super yeah. collectible stuff. Okay. Um, that that I put underneath there, and there's probably another two hundred bottles there. Man, this and is that's it. I'm done. Like I don't get yeah. I don't get to buy like I used to. I wish I could, but right. to be honest, like number one, there's not um, because like you said, the last decade's been an incredibly demanding time on whiskey. There's not a lot of new amazing stuff that has future value because if you're a whiskey distillery, do you focus your energy on aging stuff in a barrel for a significant amount of time and not having access to sell it when people want it? Or do you just say, dude, just turn it? Yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not locking that stuff away for years. Like, we need it now. They, they want it now. I mean, you walk into liquor stores, and in the old days, there was that thing called the top shelf. Mm-hmm. That was all, like, the expensive stuff. That, that doesn't exist anymore. People buy them. Money mm-hmm. is weird. Money is, like, no thing um, to certain whiskey groups. And when I say that, like, Japanese whiskey... Yeah. Um, I just saw a Yamazaki 25 that cost $2,200 at the airport in Narita. They're trading for $12,500 now. Whoa. Um, they maybe make about 100 of them a year and put okay. them in the airport duty free in Japan. Um, that, like stuff like that. Uh, most of the whiskey houses aren't coming out with big club bangers, you know, because they don't want to. But what's happened is stuff that was like really easily available is now allocated and pricey. Like E.H. Taylor, you know, a great just drinking bourbon, you mm-hmm. know, $59.99, $49.99. It, it used to be like cases were sent to the liquor stores. Now they're like, you get four bottles. You're like, what? what's going on so they have to sell those four bottles for like 200 bucks because because the dirty secret of the liquor industry is in order for a liquor store to get a highly popular bottle like a pappy van winkle or something they've got to buy like a ton of vodka and gin and champagne so that they get allocated that bottle because the stores know that that bottle is going to it's going to bring people to the store. So they say, hey, listen, if you put that bottle in your store, people are going to come. So if you want people to come to your store, then you need to put all that other stuff that we, you know, in there as well. And it's and some stores revolt and say, we're not doing that. Not. Yeah. And, yeah. Some's, and some are like, some stores, they call it the champagne room. Like you go in the back of their storage room and it's literally like just cases of crappy vodka and gin that they had to buy in order to get one nice bottle. Huh. Wow. But they wanted the that bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. You know, the distributor. And, and, and the person that loses out in the whole transaction is the distillery. Because this distillery has no control over the outcome of the price. So they run their company like a normal company. They're like, hey, the bourbon costs me 40 bucks to make. I sell it to the distillery, to the distributor for 60. The, the, the distributor sells it for 80. The store sells it for 120. What if the store sells it for 400? You, you sold your bottle for 40. Like, well, yeah. why didn't you make any money? Why did you sell it for 200? Yeah. Man. You know, and that's where I'm kind of like, man, they got to be like shaking their heads going like, we are losing. Like Pappy <laughs> Van Winkle is a perfect example. You know, the Van Winkle series, they range from $79 to 425 suggested retail. So figure out. Half of that price is what they're giving it to the distributor. For. Same as the numbers we play in grocery, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah. You give it two is probably going to end up on the shelf at four, you know, and everyone in between is going to make their money. Well, some of those bottles go for thousands and people pay it. So why'd you sell it for so cheap? Why'd you sell it? Why did you sell a $40 bottle of bourbon that they're selling for $600? Like mm, you mm. missed out. Yeah. Jeez, so, well, this... so the game has changed, you know, it's wild. It's wild, dude. I yeah. never had any idea. I mean, honestly, like I said, this was like a, 
you know, my second, my first daughter was born five weeks premature. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I would spend an hour together while she's in the NICU for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd open a bottle of whiskey. And at that point, I decided to invest in whiskey as a full fun and also like a distraction. Um, I had no idea this was going to happen. I can't say, oh, my God, like I knew. And, I had, and, and Rolex whiskey, you know, like I'm the world's number one Instagram influencer for whiskey. And I don't really like, like, like it, like that was never planned. Like, I don't really care. I care about buying whiskey. That's worth money. Yeah. 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 Now, the side effect because I am Rolex whiskey is I get to do pretty insane stuff. I'm sure. You know, like if I, if I knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm in town, you know, it's going to be a party. They're going to yeah. want, they're going to want to do, you know, and, and I'm so open and honest. I'm like, Hey, no disrespect, but like, I don't really want to drink the basic stuff because it's not true to what I'm doing. And I'm not saying I'm drinking multi thousand dollars a bottle. Like my rule of thumb is if it's under $400, I I will open it. If it's over 400, I'm not opening it, Mm. you know, go straight in the collection. Now, when I say if it's under 400, I'll open it. I'll normally buy a backup. Okay. You know, I do want to drink. I enjoy drinking whiskey. I mean, I'm fortunate that, um, most of my crazy collection, I've actually tried almost all of it as Rolex whiskey. You know, I put myself yeah. in situations where those multi-thousand dollar bottles are around and I get to try it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a perfect example was there's this, um, the distillery called the last drop and they basically find the last drop of whiskey. Like they, they, they source, like, let's just say you're Jake's distillery. And in the back corner, you have this this barrel that's been sitting there for like 30 years, but you're not going to go through the whole trouble of bottling it, marketing it, doing all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of sitting there. It's like, it's just, it's like an antique, mm. but it's still doing its job. They find those barrels and they bring them out and, and they do amazing stuff. So perfect example is, you know, you've obviously, if you're at a Buffalo Trace bourbon, yeah, for sure. Okay, distillery. Obviously, they're huge. They do, yeah. you know, they do the pappies. They do the buffaloes. Um, you know, they do they do almost everything. They do the E. H. Taylors. Well, they found a 1980 barrel mm. of bourbon that was actually 22 years old, but it was it was put in barrel in 1980, mm. and in 2002, it was taken out of wood and put into. Um, metal i can't think of the name right stainless steel that okay. stops the aging process but the whiskey's right there yeah they released that bottle and that bottle was supposed to sell for like six thousand dollars you know only like very limited a hundred and something bottles well it's going for eighteen thousand now and it's not even on the market for like six months oh my god and when i say going for eighteen thousand it's not like it's a dream that you're like oh my god like it's gone. The minute these guys list these things, they're gone. <laughs> and this is I don't so know. Wild. I don't know who these people are. I don't know if they're yeah. tech people, crypto people, uh, uh, P- PPP money from the government people. I don't know who <laughs> they are, but they are buying whiskey oh. in the thousand dollars, and they're opening them. That's why. And it's like, and it's like, I, you know, I'm I'm not financially in that position. Yes, I have. I have this huge appreciating asset in my collection that I see the same as a house. I see the same as a watch. Like it's an appreciating asset. It's an investment of mine. Yeah. But there's guys that drink it like it ain't no thing. And, and hey, hats off to them. If I, if, if money was no thing, of course I would jump into that. Yeah. Cracking open <laughs> an 18,000 bottle. 18, like it ain't no thing. Like, hey guys, we're going, yeah. we're going golfing. I'm bringing this bottle. I just got it. Oh, cool, bro. How much was your your bonus from, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs last week? They're like, oh, it's 300 grand. You know, like maybe that's the guy. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, you look at, you look at, um, you know, the brand that we're going to talk about today. One of my favorites, you know, Michter's. Yeah. So Michter's has a long history and a long story. And it starts from Pennsylvania. It went bankrupt like a million times. Um, It was really dead. And then the current owners, the Magliacocca family, like they picked it up and they wanted to have, they, they were distributors in New York. You know, they, they have a good business, the brothers, and they kind of wanted to have their own bourbon brand. 
and they found this and they, they, they resurrected it and they called it mictors. It doesn't really mean anything, mm. um, but it's just cool. Well, they make the Louis Vuitton of bourbon. Now, when I say the Louis Vuitton of bourbon, you can walk into Louis Vuitton and you can get out with a keychain, you know, for 200 bucks. You can also buy a jacket for 30,000. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot. So Mictus has a full range, you know, like the bottle you picked up, we'll call that the keychain. You know, oh, like you got a, you know, you got a bottle of Mictus, you know, the Mictus 10 that I'm drinking. Yeah. You know, now, now you stepped up to like a small purse. Okay. You know, you know, but they, but then they have the big boys, the big baller bottles. Well, uh, the reason why I want to say this. So when I first met Mictus five years ago, um, I was in New York for work for grocery mm-hmm. and um, I was invited to their headquarters, even though they're based in Kentucky, they have an office in New York, right on fifth Avenue. Okay. And I showed up five days after the show billions on Showtime. Yeah. yeah. Wags had taken a bottle of Mictus celebration at a bar and said, I'll just take the rest to go. Now that Mictus celebration comes in a red box. Um, It's been made three times, 2013, 2016, 2019. Retail on it was around three grand and it would just sit there. And I showed up a week after it was on the show and I said to, I said to Joe and I said to his son, Matt, I'm like, did you guys pay for that product placement? He's like, no, dude, the producer just really liked the product. Now that bottle for $3,000 was expensive, but people were drinking it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That put them on the map as far as, oh, like this is a luxury whiskey that you can't get your hands on. So I used to see the red box sitting in liquor stores everywhere, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Within six months, you never, ever saw it on shelf again. And they trade for anywhere from 10 to $20,000, like all day long. Unbelievable. Yeah. All because of that appearance on the well, show. That, that was, that was a, listen, the catalyst. You have, amazing, you have amazing whiskey. You have passionate owners. Mm-hmm. You have a, a, a distiller and a master of maturation that, in my opinion, are some of the best in the world. Who, who will never, ever release a product just to release it. If it doesn't meet perfection, doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's respectful. So you have that level of, of professionalism and passion. It's a slam dunk, you know? And, 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 and that really catalyst that I, I feel. Now, I met them when I had 15,000 followers, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I'm a huge fan of the brand um, just because I've been there. I've hung out multiple times in Kentucky and seen the level of perfection that they create. Yeah. And they don't spend a ton of money marketing. You know, and when I say spend a ton of money, you know, Jack Daniels, um, Elijah Craig, Four Roses. You know, these are guys that you'll see everywhere right. and every corner of the world. Mictures never, that's not what they do. They're starting to because it's becoming like very, um, I will use the word cult in a nice way, but it's a, it's a status to drink Michter's. But you know? pri- primarily probably what you've got, right? The Michter's 10? No, everything now. Like the cocktails that you're holding in your hand. Yeah. You know, like they're getting on cocktail menus across, like cocktail menus. So from when I ran restaurants and nightclubs, another thing that the distributors handle are the cocktail menus because they pay for them. Okay. So they go to a bar or restaurant and they say, hey, do me a favor. You're going to make an old fashioned with this whiskey. And in exchange, I'm going to pay for the nice books. Hmm, got it. I'm also going to give you a bunch of free cases and I'm going to swipe my card, my credit card, my expense account. Every time I walk in, and the bar is like, sure. Mixers doesn't play that game. They're like, hey, we have the best juice. If you want the best juice, this is what you want. So you should see like what they've done in Singapore and Asia, like you're talking about like luxury and luxury because they are pouring Louis Vuitton and mm. it's affordable. Like what you picked up. I mean, you can find those in Kroger's Safeways targets, you know, you could find them when you could for now, I don't anticipate you're going to be able to find them forever. Oh, wow. Because, because it's so different and so unique and so amazing that they can't keep, it's hard to keep in stock. Man, you know, mouth is water. We got to try this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, sounds I mean, incredible. Have you tried? How does this compare to the rye? Have you tried the rye? Rye is going to be spicier. Yeah. 
Um, I, I like my rise neat. I like my bourbons when I do drink cocktails. I'm a purist, so I don't really generally drink cocktails. I don't know. My body, my body can't break down the sugars. Okay. I throw it in, in the, in the mixed stuff. Um, just doesn't break them down. Well, that's why, that's why I just like to enjoy the stuff neat personally. But I mean, I mean, I've never, never wanted to try it with anything else. And when I have it with ice, like some people, I mean, it's just always super watered down, but okay. so, so, so what I would recommend if you like the, the, the understanding of what ice does, mm-hmm. rather leave your bottle in the freezer. Okay. It's not going to freeze. There's no water in it. Yeah. And that way, when you pour it, it's cold. Because what I, I, listen, ice is water and water will open up whiskeys. It also dilutes them. It just really depends on what your palate likes. You know, for me, I want to, I'm like obsessed with tasting the barrel. So as close as I can get to what the barrel does is what I want. So you prefer more like room temperature? Room temperature, you know, just sip on it nice and easy. So you're going to pick up like vanilla and caramel. Those are going to be your primary bourbon. Man, the vanilla was the first thing that hit me. And there's no burn. There's no nothing. It's just clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that burn is bad. You know, high ABV whiskeys will have a burn. They have to. It's high ABV. Mm -hmm. Um, This stuff's just clean and it's easy to drink. You know, just super easy. You know, you got to remember that bourbon's going to be heavy on the vanilla. It's really weird. Like um, when you go into a rickhouse where they store the barrels, you'll see this like brown stuff like seeping out. And you're like, what is that? And that's just nature and the caramels and the woods and stuff like that. And they toast, they toast the barrels on the inside sometimes. Yeah. So all of that's just creating like, um, they call it mother nature's glue. Like all that stuff that's happening, all those sugars are breaking down inside from the, the barrel. From, from the lig, I mean, you know, you, you got sugar content and alcohol, you yeah. know, so it's all, it's all doing its thing and it'll seal itself rather than leak. You know, it's, it's a weird phenomenon and it smells just insane. Yeah, I can imagine. How, how many times will they reuse a barrel? Well, so generally you have such a thing called first fill and you have refill. Okay. So first fill will be a brand new barrel, you know, where they'll generally toast it or do char it or do something to it. Um, they'll leave the whiskey and then to finish it, they'll put it in another barrel. So let's just say that they wanted to, this is more a fresh barrel, another fresh barrel. No, 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 no. So, so, okay. so the scotch is a good example and, and bourbon starting to do it now a little bit. Um, they'll go buy, you know, sherry barrels, and uh, port barrels that have held port wine and sherry wine and they'll finish it in there for two three years hmm. so just remember like that port and sherry's been in there for eight ten twelve god knows how many years yeah so it's like it's in the wood so when you add the the, the scotch or the bourbon something in there it, it changes the whole game i mean there's a company now called um bardstown bourbon company also out in kentucky and they take bourbon and they finish it in 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 wine so i don't know if you've ever heard of like prisoner wine yeah yeah yeah, for sure very very high-end wine they finished their bourbon in prisoner wine barrels they did pfeiffer favit they did the same thing i mean talk about the experimentation that's going on you know because the world is wanting it right now they want new stuff yeah well talk about an experimentation one trend that i've noticed recently when i go into these liquor stores and i'm usually just looking at different bourbons on the shelf uh, just for fun, if I pass through the wine section, I'm seeing something now that I didn't see a couple of years ago, which is bourbon bar- like wine that was held in bourbon barrels. So you I wonder if they're just... Well. You've seen tequila finished in bourbon barrels. I have not seen tequila in bourbon barrels. No, there's, there's, there's a movement now. They're taking tequila and finishing them in bourbon barrels. So remember that Scotch whiskey, they generally buy the bourbon barrels from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And they use them to finish scotch. So, so a scotch will be, um, if it's just in white oak, it's very powerful. So in order to mellow it out, they'll throw it into one of these bourbon barrels. And the bourbon barrel will bring that caramel and that vanilla, and it'll kind of just tone it down. And they call it finishing. Right. You know, they finish, it's finished in this. So most of the time it's finished in ex-bourbon. When I say ex-bourbon, it means it's not first 
There's no reason to use the first barrel on anything. And, and nobody ever puts something from one first barrel into another first barrel that I've seen. I'm sure it does exist. But it's normally a refill, um, a, second, a second barrel that's already been used for something else. So just kind of like, I guess it would be like adding a sauce to your food. You know, you already have a great piece of fish. And then you have sauce in a bottle that's delicious. And you finish your fish that's already great in the sauce. Okay. Okay. You know, that, that would be my analogy of how it works. But you have to remember that as the seasons are going, this, this barrel is, is expanding and contracting, expand like wood does. So different things are happening. You know, like think about your wooden door at your house. Um, in the summer, it expands. So you can't close your door like you used to, you know, if yeah, it's yeah, humid yeah. and stuff like that. And in the winter, it's no problem. It goes. So the same thing's happening to this barrel inside this warehouse. So what does that mean, though, for the bourbon inside? Different things happen to it. You know, like if, if it has more space and, and more um, breathing room, you know, it gets to do stuff and it gets tighter. It gets more flavors. I guess it would be like, you know, when it tightens up, it's like doing something sous vide, you know, when you air pack. Right, it, you yeah, put the yeah. And then when you take it out, it's like a different, you know, it's a different thing. So does that make it tough then to produce consistent quality? Oh God. If it's the, the, dependent the, the, on the wood. Yeah. Well, they've got the wood down to science. It's okay. really the master blender who tastes it. Okay. That has to get consistency. You know, like you, you sit down in some of these warehouses and you're like, I mean, that's a full-time job just doing this taste and smell. Oh. Taste and smell. <laughs> like, like, like I do a, I did a four roses barrel pick. They bring out seven barrels and they don't tell you what any of them are. And you, you pick your best, but everyone tastes different. So because they're in different parts of the warehouse. So you know how heat rises. So obviously if it's at the top, that barrel is going to get a lot of action because it's going to be like in the hot months, it's going to be really, really hot up there. Whereas the guys on the bottom might not be as hot, so they won't expand as much. Huh. You know, and, and, and the whole thing has become a science. It never used to be. It used to be like, used to be touch and feel. You know, now there's guys that will heat cycle a warehouse. So when I say heat cycle, they will close all the windows, close all the slats. They will pump heat in, and this causes them to get a fifth season. So, you know, we got four regular seasons. Now you heat cycle, you get a fifth season, which means you can make a nine-year whiskey in six years because you added a season. Interesting. Because the demand. So I don't like that, but it does happen. Yeah, you know, science has changed. You know, I used to, there's certain, there's certain distilleries I walk into and it's like literally a dude with this long metal tube that's called a whiskey thief. And he will like open the bung hole with the hole that goes in, he'll stick it in and he'll try it. And then you go to other ones that have like literally like, you feel like you're in the ER room. They got like things all sensors all over them and like <laughs> going in and, and it's just a dude at this like massive like computer station you know who's just like watching everything there and you're like it's a little different from the dude that walked around and tasted it yeah for sure i feel like that takes away from some of like i do too but you know like I involved in the technology process. yeah true you know, true, I true. i mean you know things have to evolve yeah you know, sure. it's it, it's real it sucks it's real but you know it's like at the end of the day it's just so much money there's so much money in this business that yeah. hey, can you be consistently delivering is a big thing, you know, like, cause you don't want to eat, you know, it's the same in grocery. If you're out of stock, you're out of mind. You know, it's just what it is. Yeah. You've so got to keep in products world, on the shelf. Yeah. Because it's so competitive. I mean, Mick just had a huge problem with their sour mash because it was flying off the shelves. Now sour mash is a mix of rye and bourbon, you know? And it's like, they couldn't keep it in stock. Sour mash is real mellow hmm. um, and just couldn't keep it. So you have to step up production. Most guys don't mess with sour mash because it's the process, you know, either do bourbon or do rye. You do sour mash, you're like, oh man, I have to like blend this together? Like, oof. Yeah. So is there anybody that refuses to like jump on that bandwagon? And because, you know, obviously with the increased demand, and the the scaling of your operations to that degree is going to compromise the quality, you know, a little bit, which is kind of what we're talking about here. Like the quality of some of these bourbons is dropping. Is there anyone that says, no, 
Like we're not playing that game. We're going to stick to what we know and keep cranking it. Even if it's small doses. Yeah. I mean, they, they try. I mean, here's here's what just happened. Guess what just showed up to whiskey co-packers. Oh, that's (laughs) kind of a bummer. So now you can send the recipe to the co-packer who will then create your whiskey, bottle it, store it for you. Yeah. Now you have, now your restrictions have been lifted. Hmm. Co-packers just showed up, you know, like in our world where, you know, you have, you can only grow so much on your premises. So you go to co-packing, same thing's happening in whiskey now. Yeah. Interesting. That's a bit of a bar. And for anybody that doesn't know, co-pack, like that's just outsourcing the production of your product. Usually there are these people. And and storage. Yeah. And storage. Yeah. So, So you pay a fee to not grow, to not physically grow your business, meaning like invest in new machinery and stuff like that. But then at that point, you're kind of just or like, I'm not going to generalize or say this is like a blanket statement necessarily, but a lot, oftentimes you're more of just a marketing and branding company at that point. So because you've outsourced production. Welcome okay. to the new world of whiskey where there's literally guys who have no distillery, but they're yeah. just marketing companies. Yeah. Well, I want to avoid that. I love give the, rest. the magic involved with bourbon. So, so, so it's funny because like as Rolex whiskey, of course, those guys come to me and I'm like, I can't. Yeah. Sorry, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like obsessed with the, the purity of what a barrel does. Yeah, sure. And, and, and I'm obsessed with um, mother nature and what it does with the seasons and what it does to the wood. Yeah. Like I just, I can't, just can't. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously not on your level, but I love the stuff and I'm slowly learning more, but that just seems like a turnoff to me, you know, that idea. And, uh, but, but listen, if, if most of the market is on premise bars and nightclubs and restaurants yeah, and they have no idea. And literally they're going through a liquor list and they're like, I'm going to get the X, Y, Z cocktail. Yeah. And I don't really care what the whiskey is in it. Cause I want the cocktail. Then the marketing company wins. They have money. It's, it's like, it's like in our other world, you know, of grocery where you see the brands do the pump and dump where it's like, Oh my God, we just have opened 20,000 new locations and we're in this DSD and that DSD and we got coolers and you're like, you're making no money. Like, what are right. you doing? Oh no, I'm going to get, and two years later they sell out for hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. So the same thing's happening in whiskey. Yep. Well, it's good to know who the like originals are and the true whiskey companies. True whiskey. So I can continue to you know, support them. And it seems like, like Michter's is. Michter's is next level. Um, Michter's is, is something special. Um, so good. Just something special. You know, you've also got guys like Four Roses. Like if you get a single barrel pick from Four Roses, if you want more um, huh, marketing slash cutting edge technology, Bardstown. Okay. Bardstown's doing good stuff and they're affordable still. They're not going to be affordable for much longer because they're doing insane collaborations with like big things. And, you know, it's going to, the prices are going to jump. Um, who else would I say? If you can find one of those EH Taylors, even if you can get yourself a Blanton's, I mean, Blanton's is $42. I've they had Blanton's before. I, if I'm thinking of the right one, Blanton's tasted very apple to me. Is that right? It could have apple. I mean, it's going to be more mellow. Okay. You know, they, they dump every day. It's the one with the horse on top of it, but it's, $42.99 whiskey, which means it probably costs 15 bucks to make. Yeah. So therefore, when people pay $150 for that on the secondary, I'm like, you're nuts. Yeah. Like, go find another whiskey to drink. Yeah. Go, go rather go rather pick up a Mictors at your Target or your Kroger or your Safeway or your Whole Foods. Yeah. You, you know, like it's it's just not worth it. There's a certain price point where you're like, first of all, how much do you drink and how much do you want to invest in drinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why for me, I, I enjoy getting a lot of those sample bottles. And then there are bottles that I will buy on occasion that I try to make last like a month if I can. It's a special, yeah. special occasion bottle, you know? Yeah, but sometimes I'll plow through them a lot quicker than I anticipated. But this is going to be one of those where I probably no, enjoy that. This is, this is meant to be drank. This is meant to like be enjoyed. Yeah. I wouldn't, this is like, you'll be able to buy this. I mean, if you ever come across a 10 year, yeah. Um, look out for that. That's your special bottle. That's like, 
if you want to enjoy amazing bourbon, that's your bottle. Yeah. And when I say enjoy, I mean, drink it regularly. You know, like that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, I would say a good price point in a normal liquor store, meaning not like a private one. Yeah. Is if you find bourbon around that $150 point, like that's, there's pro that's their actual, it's all factored in. There's no extra margins and stuff like that. It's probably going to be some pretty spectacular juice. I mean, you can get a Four Roses a single barrel select out here where I am at Bevmo for like $99. It's pretty special stuff. Hmm. Yes. You have yet to go that big. No, but, I know uh, Listen, you and I were talking about this, like yeah. how big, where do you want to go? I mean, right, right, right. obviously, you know, um, when I did restaurants and nightclubs, I drank Johnny Walker black. Yep. I drank. I didn't drink right. bourbon. I'm from South Africa, man. We don't have bourbon out there. <laughs> right, right, right. So it really, it really wasn't until I spent time with mixtures that I understood what bourbon can do. And I spent time in Kentucky. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, this American whiskey is pretty darn special. Now, Japanese whiskey is next level, but you're not going to find any of that. Right. You know, I'd, I'd love to do another one with you with Japanese whiskey, but like, there's nothing that I feel confident telling you to go buy because it's all crap because the marketing companies have taken on the hype. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've actually yet to try any of them. I've never bought any of those, mostly just because, I mean, one of the things that's drawn me to bourbon is like the stories behind it, what they represent also about the country. And it's not like, I, you know, I'm obviously a fan oh, of look the at US. Prohibition, man. Look at, look at what we had here with Prohibition, like, and these guys were bootlegging it. I, you know, I got invited to an event as Rolex Whiskey for Sotheby's. And Jakey, mm. they were pouring stuff distilled distilled in 1911 and bottled in 1919. Now, no. I guarantee there were no computers there. I guarantee <laughs> the dude was in there every day getting wasted, trying all the different things. <laughs> it, probably... it was bottled in bond and it was for medicinal purposes. That's what was happening in Prohibition. Oh my gosh. And I mean, so, so talk about like, just to cover back into like crossover a tiny bit into grocery world, like talk about that first time somebody figures out they got something cool. Yep. And they, and they, they didn't have machinery to make it like, like they inve eventually invest in like that's what was happening in 1911. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That must've been a pretty cool experience. <clears throat> oh my God. They had seven whiskeys that were going up on auction. And the story was, um, it was found in a great grandchild of a major, um, hotel year in LA. Hmm. And so obviously he died a long time ago. It was the Biltmore hotel, the oh, family wow. of the yeah, Biltmore. Yeah. So this was a great grandchild and she was selling a family home that they had owned in like, um, Kawanga or something like some random little area, you know, in okay. the Valley. Yeah. And there was a hidden door behind the dressing room that they never found until wow. they started selling the house. And behind that, they found the stash of whiskey. Oh my! So they gosh. called up Sotheby's and they're like, "Yo, we got all these crates of stuff. We don't even know if it's good." But like, literally, like this is how much money the family has. The house was used for the great granddaughter's um, cruise clothing. Like literally, like this house was just full of clothes that she would use when they went on cruises. So when the oh, family, like this is like so. So they find the stash. Sotheby's is like, okay, we think we're going to get a million dollars for it. They got like three times what they were expected to get because it was like, it, it was insane. Like we were drinking these little bottles and they're like, oh, that's going to go for like 140 bucks. They were going for 900 by the time the auction was done. Just these little bottles. Little, I mean, remember, bottle and bond for medicinal purposes. These were just like hip flasks. They didn't sell big seven, seven fifties back in those days. Going you know, for almost a thousand bucks. These were little bottles. Wow. So insane. You know, like that's wow. the cool shit that I'm excited about. That's oh, yeah, stuff totally. that I chase. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm, going, I'm going to Kentucky this weekend and, and pretty much the moratorium is I only want to drink whiskey history. Mm. Like I've told all the brands that I'm hanging out with, like, I don't want to drink anything new. I want to drink only old. How I many want to are drink, you going to see? Uh, I'm only hanging out with like three or four. Okay. Got I'm it. like, I want to drink stuff pre the computers. Yeah. I want to drink stuff like when they were making it like in their kitchen, you know, <laughs> like I want to drink that stuff. Yeah. And there's a little bit of it left. There's a tiny bit of it left, but the prices are so demanding right now that 
people are just paying. Yeah. Man, that'll be a fun trip. I'll definitely be oh, following it's always along. Fun. Yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. fun. I, and then I just found out I got approved for another um, Four Roses barrel pick. So I'll probably go out in September and do another barrel pick. Our last barrel pick, we sold out in three weeks. Wait, so what, is, what does that entail when you do a barrel pick? So you, so you go there. Um, I need a sponsor, someone who has a license, which is a liquor company, uh, a liquor store. Uh, the two of us pick the barrel. They give us seven barrels. We pick the barrel, and then we put it in the liquor store. And it's gone. Three weeks. So how, how many uh, how many bottles? You, get, one... you can get about 1,500 to 1,800 bottles. From one barrel? Depending on, depending on, on the age. You know, just okay. remember that the, the longer it's in there, the less juice there is. It's called the angel share. The natural evaporation, you know, okay. the barrel gets less. You know, like I, I was fortunate enough to be in New York um, years ago when I hit 52,000 followers. And I was messing with the guys at McAllen saying, dude, 52,000, you just released a 52 year. Let me drink it. <laughs> and, you know, and I was totally being Gavin, you know, like just being cocky about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, up and they're like, here it is, bro. You want some? And I'm like, Whoa. For real. And they're like, yeah, it's all you, man. And, and the guys that were with me, it was funny because um, they were like, only you are allowed to drink it. We're not allowed to drink it with you. Like you've been cleared. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm pouring you some. Like wow. you gotta try this. Wait, so did they hook up with a bottle or just let you like drink a couple glasses? So we so they had a sample bottle okay. of it. Yeah. So we turned our backs to where everyone can see it. So I could like literally pour the guy a little bit to try. <laughs> nice, nice. So imagine what 52 years with all these seasons. So let's just say you go into a, a barrel with 400 liters. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be lucky after 52 years if you have 50 liters left. Really? This is the evaporation. Okay. See, that's something I had no idea, but that makes total sense. Now that you're saying so it's cool. That's what, when you walk into a distillery, what you smell, it's called the angel share. And the angel share is literally the, the evaporation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the longer, you know, that's why people don't like to, you know, they want to get 400 liters. They don't want to be like, I don't want 50 liters. That's insane. Like, why would I wait that long? I can right, sell right. 400 liters. Huh? So, yeah. So interesting learning about like the inner workings of oh, dude, it's, the industry it's a, it's, and yeah. The good stuff and the bad stuff behind it, but oh well, yeah. listen, money. Yeah, yeah, well, obviously, money, money rules it, man. Yeah, it really does. It really yeah. does. I'm fortunate as an investor to participate in that, of course. Yeah, you, you know, but it, it's it's at the end of the day, you know. But people say to me like, "Oh God, you know, Rolex whiskey, Rolex whiskey," and I'm like, "Yo, I got into this for money. Let's not kid ourselves." Yeah, my whiskey investment investment and in my collection—that's what I care about. So, speaking of that, how? uh how much is that collection worth? Let's nowadays? just say I'm up about 400%. So throw a random number and say, I put a hundred grand in. Multiply yeah. that. Not bad. Not bad. Seriously, not bad for a passion project that really didn't become serious until maybe like three years ago, you know? Yeah. Unbelievable. It was always serious. For you. Yeah. It can be like that. That's so you know, cool. it's, it's real money. It's like, you know, I did something, um, as you know, I'm Rolex whiskey. So I also collect Rolexes mm -hmm. and I was able to flip a bottle into a Rolex. Like mm -hmm. I was able to take a bottle that I paid 600 bucks and sell it for $8,000 and go buy a Rolex. Which is just a continuation of the investment, right? Cause that's going to continue. Now they're appreciating well. assets, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, all the Rolexes I own are ones that are rare. I mean, I, I, I wear my Batman all the time. I'm not wearing it right now, um, which is a GMT in black and blue. I paid seven grand. They pay 18 grand for those things right now <laughs> on the secondary market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, it's so bizarre. There's a secondary market like everything else, a gray market where people trade all day long. Yeah. Wait, and you've mentioned that to me in the past, just in conversation that like, you'll have people hit you up from other countries all over all the world, world and want to meet up with you and trade and buy from your collection or whatever, which is pretty awesome. I, I, I probably at least get one message a day. What do you have for sale? Wow. At least one. Then I get You're about six saying stuff, right? Then I, well, I, I got no desire to sell. I mean, you know, I'm not sounding cocky. I just, it's part of a plan. Yeah. I'm looking forward to literally like just exiting and being like, here's the final payment. Boom. Yeah. Now here's that check. Maybe, maybe it becomes a kid's college fund. Maybe it becomes a house for the kids. 
right. as a rental property, you know, like it's going to go into another appreciating asset, whether yeah. it's their whether it's their college degree or a property or something. It's like I'm not going to just take the money and, and go play. Yeah. It's not. It's just not in who I am. You know. Well, dude, next time I'm out there. Oh, dude, you got to come by the house. Yeah, you gotta come by the house. yeah, I know. Definitely got to well, cruise by the house. Man, this has been awesome, though. I appreciate you just taking some time to walk us through. Teach fun, us man. about Michter's, about the background in the, the bourbon industry. But, dude, have a blast in Kentucky. I'll be Always. following the journey. Stay tuned. Follow it on Rolex Whiskey. There you go. Yeah, at Rolex Whiskey, right? Just simple. At Rolex Whiskey. Okay. Yeah, with no E. So just Rolex and then whiskey. Okay. W-H-I-S-K-Y. Guys, that's it. If you're a whiskey lover, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Gavin. I learned a lot, some stuff that uh, I wanted to know, and then some stuff I didn't want to know, you know, like uh, how a lot of these brands are just money hungry, not actually producing great whiskey. A little bit of a bummer, but now good to know which brands to look out for. So I appreciate that. It was helpful to learn. Gavin's just an awesome guy to chat with, obviously. So go catch him on Instagram, Rolex whiskey and then guys if you're looking for content on persuasive communication again something that's not necessarily on this segment but the others check out the other episodes of the show or also follow me on instagram i'm pretty active on there it's at it's jake savage i am posting photos videos just whatever i find usually on ways that people can become a more effective communicator although lately gotta say it's been mostly iron man training stuff as i get closer and closer to my race which is in September. So if you're into that, then you're going to find plenty of content on triathlon training, which is cool too. All right, last couple things. One, ratings and reviews. If you liked the show, find value in the show, whether it's Whiskey Wednesday or one of the other ones, would encourage you and challenge you to go rate or review the show. It just it doesn't just boost my ego, but it also helps other people get those good things that you've gotten. So if you're somebody that listens to Persuasion School regularly, and you've used the tips to negotiate a raise with your boss or a promotion, help other people get the same when you write a review, because when you do write that review, the algorithm gods will help bubble Persuasion School on up to the top, which just makes it more visible to other people searching for the same things that you are searching for. So it's going to help other people. The next thing is anti-trafficking. I touch on this at the end of every episode. My wife, Alexa, and I are passionate about fighting human trafficking and sex trafficking. And if you're somebody that's been wanting to get involved but just never knew how, when, where, what, anything like that, you can skip all that, go straight to persuasionschoolpodcast.com and actually donate right through the site. 100% of all the proceeds go straight to our partners here in the U.S. and abroad that are fighting the good fight through preventative methods or rescue methods or even restoration methods for survivors. So I would encourage you to consider that if you're somebody that's been wanting to get involved. Outside of that, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate you. We'll jump back in here tomorrow for our typical Thursday episode where we'll dive into some persuasion methods. It's going to be fun. All right, that's it. Adios. Adios.